Normally in our First Nation culture, we don't identify as carers and taking care of our families here now or by distance is what we do and have done. And we never ask for help due to past trauma. Our mobs describe what rivers they have followed or lands they have lived their footprint on, their connection to country and how they've been caring for many generations past and present. Our mobs also talk about how they look after their own health and relationships, stay connected to their culture and to their spirits to keep their identity and dreaming alive. They all tell their stories with passion, sadness and to teach other carers what they do to survive as they have done for many generations. In these stories, you will find the healing power of listening and connecting and individual strengths. Holding on to that hope as you find one way of sharing common grounds. Welcome to Sharing Common Grounds of Caring Podcasts, hosted by me, Benny Egmelis. And we are joined with our guest today. Shannon. Shannon, thanks for coming in today. Now, you're another Aboriginal carer here in the ACT. Yes. Tell us, I mean, the first question we always ask, uh, who's your mob? From born and raised in Canberra. Come on. Yeah, um, Ngunnawal tribe. Mum and all them are over from Yass, Queanbeyan. But yeah, born in Canberra, lived here all my life, wouldn't leave. You know what? Um, when I first moved to Canberra, it was about three years ago, four years ago, I said, look, nah, I'm not living here. Right from Sydney. Yeah. Now you can't get me out of Canberra. Yeah, yeah. What is it about Canberra that you just that makes people want to stay? It's just pretty. It's clean. You know, there's crime and stuff and, you know, there's obviously issues and stuff, but it's not like the other places because the other places are huge. You know, you feel like you get lost. Yep. Um, I've always found that I'd stay in Canberra. Obviously, it's harder for me to just pack up and leave with my eldest son who I care for. You know, my dad and my brothers tried to get me to go to Queensland at one point, you know, and I was like, it's nice for a holiday, but I love home, like Canberra's home. Um, but obviously, he the supports for my son I just feel like he'd get lost if we moved to a big city. You know, it's a, it's a small community here. So, you know, there's a lot of kids with a lot of issues and all that sort of stuff, disability. Um, but I just feel like if I lived in Brisbane or lived in Sydney, I feel like he'd get overlooked and lost a little bit. That's something I love about Canberra. It's it's big city. It's city, but it's very family country yeah. kind of orientated, you yeah. know, when, it looks at, when you're looking at services or being able to access things, like it's still got that community vibe. And that's something that really, for me, blew me away because when I came from Sydney to Canberra, I thought, man, as a stand-up comedian, like, um, my career's over. <laughs> and, but it was the opposite. My career took off the moment I came here and the comedian community here was like real family orientated yeah. and it was just a really cool vibe. So um, I said that I'll live in Canberra for a very long time and I still travel to Sydney a lot, but. You can travel anywhere. You know, it's it's always nice to go away and have a little bit of a break. You know, the beach is only an hour and a half away, you know, down the, down the bay and stuff like that. But, you know, I go to Sydney for a trip. You know, I've got a brother that lives there now. I've got family there. You know, my dad's up top in Queensland. Um, he's in Townsville. We haven't seen him for a long time. He hates oh, Canberra. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't like coming back here. <laughs> but well, the humidity up there, yeah, the weather. Yeah. He's always like, jump jump on a plane and come. And I'm like, it's so much harder with all the kids, yep. you know. It's too too hard to travel. I'm like, you're one person. You can come visit us. But, yeah, we, we've done the holidays up there and stuff. But it, it, do, it does get harder now that, you know, my, my big boy's 19 this year. So it's a lot harder to travel. But, you know, it's nice to get away. But I always 
there's a sense of relief when you're home? I, uh, my parents live in Townsville, so okay. I, I'm up there every week. My father's traditional lands are Atherton Tablelands. Oh, okay. So we get up there every year. But um, every time I go up, I can't hear, handle the heat anymore. <laughs> so mum says to me, there's no more north left in you, boy. You're all yeah, south. Yeah. You know, I've acclimatised down. So tell us a bit about, you said you care for your son. What, what does that look like? You know, what are some of the challenges that, you, that, that he has and that you, that you work with on, around that? Yeah, so when he was a baby, he wasn't sort of hitting his milestones. You know, I grew up around a lot of kids, you know, got a big family, so a lot of little cousins and, you know, always around babies, you know, baby mad. And he just wasn't hitting the milestones, you know, wasn't sitting up, wasn't sort of mimicking your back when you poke your tongue out at him and, you know, wasn't doing the babbling talk and all that sort of stuff. And I went away to Queensland for a holiday, actually, um, to go see my dad and he got sick up there. And we were in the emergency department at the women's hospital, I think uh, Royal Brisbane Women's Hospital, um, and one of the paediatricians had just said that the way he was sort of rocking back and forth on the bed, she just thought it was a little bit, you know, not not normal. And um, she just sort of gave me a referral letter and, you know, sent me back down when I got home, sent it over to the hospital and we got him with some paediatricians there. They had him under like borderline pretty much just a, you know, global development delayed. So, you know, that's a vary of everything. Um, and it wasn't until he was about five uh, we did a genetics test and my cousin's ex-partner actually, who I'm very close to, been friends with her for over 20 years now, she's the mother of all my little cousins and we were just, she'd Google and, you know, and just writing what he does, like his movements and all that sort of stuff and she came up with two things and it was fragile X and Angelman syndrome and when I went to the genetic testing, I I gave them the Angelman stuff and said that this is what we think it is because it just hit the mark with everything. So they weren't testing him for that. So they ended up doing that and it came back that he had Angelman syndrome. So it's chromosome 15s upside down and back to front. Um, it happens in the last time I checked, it was like one in 40,000 pregnancies. The mother is the carrier of the gene, I believe. In my case, it was. Um, there was nothing that we could have done. There's no testing why you're yeah. pregnant and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, it didn't really do anything. It just gave me a name that I can say that he has. Like it didn't change the way I cared for him or didn't give us any, you know, like light bulb, bing, bing, we can, you know, sort this out because there's no cure for it. Yeah. Um, you know, that it, it varies. You know, some kids can walk, some kids can talk, some kids can't. So my son's nonverbal um, and also doesn't walk. So he bum shuffles and he crawls. Righto. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when he was a baby, he used to slide sideways like a little snake and he'd always have a little ball patch at the back of his head because he was always laying down. And, you know, we, we went through intervention therapy groups and all that sort of stuff. So it was always set from like when he was two, three, we did pre-preschools. He went to all the special schools in Canberra, attended um, Malcara Primary School. Um, he then went on to Black Mountain, the high school, and did – Seven to year twelve there. So last year we just did his graduation. That's and amazing. He had well his done. little formal and things. And congratulations. Yeah. yeah. And now he's in now he's in day programs. So we've always had the support. Um, obviously NDIS did come in a couple of years ago, and that was a bit daunting because you didn't sort of know what what that was going to mean for you. But yeah, it's 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 hard. But I always say, you know, I've got other family and friends that have children that are special needs. And, you know, and I've, we've seen a lot of kids growing up, you know, being in and out of hospitals and, you know, seeing kids that are much worse off than my son. 
you know, and I always say as hard as it is, it could be worse, you know, yeah. like even though, you know, I'd love, you know, if he walked and talked and, you know, got to do all the normal stuff that a 19-year-old kid would do. But, you know, he's got a personality. He laughs, he, you know, torments you, he gets cheeky, you know, he loves his music. I think you that's what, I, what, I, what I'm always really interested in, you know, like even when mob come with their challenges, there's always something that's amazing about yeah. them, you know, that that always shines through. I noticed, you know, I was speaking a previous podcast, this fellow had a lot of challenges, but then he was extremely artistic. Mm. You know, he could draw and carve and, 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 and it was just really amazing to see this element. You know, when you look at your son, what are some of the amazing things that, that you just love about it? He he just lights up a room. Everyone loves him. He's just cheeky, like, and he's real, he's real moochy boy. Like, he loves mooching on all the girls. And we always said when he went to school and that, like, he's going to be the little ladies' man. And, you know, he, he'll grab you and he'll cuddle you. You know, we always say, you know, you've got to be careful because he'll con you up for a kiss next minute he'll bite you on the cheek. <laughs> <laughs> all the kids now, family, will have a little story about, you know, being bit by him and, you know, but he he didn't know how to show his frustrations and stuff. Sometimes he just did it, you know, for a bit of a reaction, not not to be nasty or not to be mean or anything. But you know, that was just the way he was. And we always said, you know, you got to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> but they've all got it. But you know, he's he laughs like his laugh is amazing, and you know, he's just cheeky. You know, and we always look at him and we go, "There's a lot more going on in there than you know yeah, we yeah. know." You know, and he's got two little brothers now, and. I always say to him, I say, you got to be careful because he'll just grab you and <laughs> pull you down because he's strong too, you know. But he, he does, he's just, he's just this, he's got this beautiful curly, fuzzy hair and he's just, he's got a beautiful smile and he's just, he's just cheeky. Like, and everyone that meets him loves him, you know. Tell me, you know, like, what part is it culture or that community sense that we have as mob, you know, as yeah. Aboriginal mob? Does that play a role in, in, in how you do your care or, or how the support you get within your care? Uh, not necessarily the support that I'm getting right now, you know, like we get home support, you know, from organisations and we've got okay. you know, lovely support workers that come in and, you know, help get him ready in the morning and, you know, he attends Mary Mead, um, you know, they've got a respite house there, so he does respite once a week, you know, but I feel like him being a 19-year-old boy, you know, he would be out and about, like he's busy, he's got a better social life than I do, you know, like he's always gone, he's up first thing in the morning on his little bus or taxi, you know, out for the day, you know, out doing things with his little community, you know, like the little disability community. Yeah, like, good. You know, and they've, he's grown up with a lot of the kids, you know, I remember him from, you know, the therapy groups and now they're in the day programs together, you know, so you sort of get to, you know, watch them all grow up together and they, they've they got that connection, you know, like yeah. I, I know that, you know, he went to school with one boy and then they did a holiday program together and then they ended up back at college, you know, high school together and, you know, it's nice to be able to have them connections with some of the parents too. Continuity. In yeah. The but like at home, you know, like my family all know what he's like, but it's, you know, like they're real good with him. They love him and they just, you know, grab him and rough him up and stuff, you know, I've got a lot of uncles. And, well, you're on, you're on country, so. Yeah. I mean, that's the best thing about it. You're on country, you've got biggest mob, you know, yeah. and, and that being a part of that community, you yeah. know, is, I think essential. I've seen so many mob. You know, it's rough when they're out on one out on their own, and, yeah. and you know, there's no community or mob around you. Yeah. What are some of the you know challenges that you, as a carer, you know, just in general, because you face, face on a daily basis? Because I mean, we were talking earlier. You said your son is is just one. 
of, of, yeah. of some people that you care for. Yeah, so I've my niece lives with me. She's moved in in the last um, 12 months. Um, she's my brother's daughter. Um, you know, she's a teenage girl, so that's that's a lot there, you know. Like I remember myself as a teenager, you know, we've had a you know, little couple of dramas here and there, but, you know, she's a good help too at home, you know, like the kids love her. They fight like, you know, like their brothers and sisters. But, you know, she helps me out, you know, like if I've got to sneak down the shop real quick or something, you know, like there's, there's someone there to help out. And like, even though she's the little cousin to my older son, you know, he's still, you know, we all baby. He's still our baby even though he's a giant. And um, my brother, he's gone through his own stuff. He'd been di- he got diagnosed with um, epilepsy, coming on nearly eight years now, yeah, well. seven years, and he was just at 21, you know, and he was working up in Brisbane, driving, you know, beautiful little unit up there. Girlfriends, yeah, <laughs> <Styling> <laughs> <up>. <laughs> yeah. living it up, but then yeah, just started having like seizures, and we weren't really sure what was happening. And then we did, you know, got him into the hospital and to the specialists, and you know, they diagnosed him with epilepsy, and he sort of was just dealing with it and medication and things, and then yeah, just got worse and worse over the years, and then eventually couldn't work anymore. Like he's working on construction sites, so obviously he can't do that no more. Hey, you mob, do you help, support and care for your parents, your aunties, uncles, grandparents, cousins, siblings who live with a disability or a medical condition, including terminal and chronic illness, a mental illness or frail age? Carers ACT offer a range of supports and services designed to support, connect and empower First Nation carers in their caring roles and personal wellbeing with programs such as short-term replacement, in-home care and respite when you need to have a break or unexpected illness. Carers ACT offers counselling, educational workshops, social and therapeutic activities and advocacy. By working together, we help our First Nation carers feel relaxed and supported so they can keep leading fulfilling lives, continue their caring relationships and maintain their sense of self and cultural connection. Carers ACT is the delivery partner of the Carer Gateway in the Australian Capital Territory. And if you want to have a yarn with our friendly First Nation worker, you can work together in finding how we can support you and connect you to culturally appropriate services. You can now call the One National Number, 1800 422 737. That is linked to a wide range of services and we want to support you through your caring journey. Because my sister's the same. She was diagnosed with epilepsy. She couldn't drive. You know, she wasn't allowed to work in, in certain environments. You know, it was very restrictive and it, her shoulder would pop out, you know, like mm. when she would have it, you know, have it. So she was always dislocating her shoulder. So she had to get a pin put in, like, to keep it stable. So, you know, it's a really challenging thing for them, like, not to go from working and that's my life to yeah. not working. That's a massive difference from, you know, yeah. challenge. And it was, you know, the income too, you know, pulling in a couple of grand a week, living up and then, you know, he's come back to Canberra and he's sort of in between myself and my mum's house. Um, You know, he helps out with the kids too, but you can't give him too much responsibility just in case, you know, Mm -hmm. like the kids sort of, you know, my oldest boy knows, you know, or not my oldest boy, my middle, my middle son, he knows when he's having a fit and things, you know, and they're, they're quick and eat like they're quick ones, they're absent seizures, I think they call them. But, you know, it is, it, it could happen anywhere. So you've got to be real careful with it, you know. So I sort of look after him a little bit too, you know, like making sure he's, you know, doing his appointments and medication, you know, because they forgetfulness, you know, they forget yep. a lot of things. Yep. And he got a little job down here and they worked with him a little bit and, you know, helped him and got some epilepsy training for the staff and, oh, you know, all that sort of thing. But, you know, I think it's just frustrations within himself, obviously going from one end to another 
and potentially there's a, a surgery that he could have. And he's done a couple of testers, uh, testing up at um, Westmead Hospital in Sydney. Sydney, yep. They potentially could fix this, you know. Mm-hmm. So he's got the type of epilepsy that could be cured. And he went up for a big test and they couldn't find, they can see where it, where it's like where it is and that it's happening, but they can't find the start, like the starting point. And, you know, obviously it'd be brain surgery. So it's hectic. Yeah, that's scary. Scary, you know, but he's all for it, you know, like just fix me, I want my life back sort of thing. But, you know, you got to, there's pros and cons and obviously they're going to do a lot of testing before they just go doing brain surgery on you. But I think it's just, you know, you must get a little bit depressed going from living your best to, Surviving on a, a doll now. Well, that's that. I saw that exact same thing with my sister, and and she never really got a lot of support. Like she didn't, well, didn't know, you know, mum and dad didn't know where to access support. Yeah. You know, like with like she just cared for her like full time. Yeah. You know, and I think that's important. Like, did you have a period where you didn't have support or, or that, or you? What was that like? Yeah. So I, I was always very anxious about respite and things like that just because my son can't talk you know so I was always a bit weary you know you still got to have that bit of you know angst there you know like sending him away and having people look after him and him not being able to tell you if anything you know is going on like people hurting him or mistreating him Mm. you know all that sort of stuff you know it happens everywhere so I had really bad anxiety about letting him go and I transition a lot so I I you know when I first decided that I would do it and I did take a long time. I don't think he did it until he was about 12 and I just would let him go for dinner, you know, go after school and go for yep. dinner and start to get familiar with it before I let him actually sleep over and I'm always the mum ringing up every night, you know, <laughs> did he have dinner? Is he right? Is he in bed yet? You know. And What's his I, favourite to eat? What's his? Oh, he eats everything. He's a real boy. Like he eats everything. Um, we actually got, he got diagnosed with an esophagus issue a couple of years ago. It's called EOE. I don't know how to pronounce it, so I won't even try but EOE, so we put him on a dairy-free diet and he's a chocolate lover, you know, like he oh, loves mate. chocolate. <laughs> so he has been able that? to eat. Imagine eat that. It. Like yeah. in my house, that would it'd be it'd be like Lord of the Flies yes, if we, yes. we had to be in chocolate in yeah. my house. Well, it was Easter's our favourite time of the year, you know, and now we can't we can't do chocolate like we used to, you know, and I'm I'm in the cupboard hide and you're the plastic and you'll see the head pop up around the corner, you know, like I always say he's like a little meerkat, you know, just pops up, looks at you. <laughs> Do you think that's like, um, you know, a lot of carers, that feeling of, of I'm not sure about respite, I'm not sure about someone coming in and caring for my, yep. that's a common thing out there? Yeah, 100%. I'd like to talk a lot um, to the to the people that come into the house, especially, you know, I want them, I want them to feel like a part of the family. Yep. You know, like you're coming in and you, you see my son at his most vulnerable, you know, like you're stripping him down naked and washing him, you know, like every day. And so it can't be a new face every day, you know, like. I wouldn't want a, a different person every day coming in, you know, putting me in the shower and stuff like that. And I know we can't talk, but, you know, it's awesome when you've got the carers that, you know, chat with him and talk to him as if he is talking back to them, you know. Like he still listens, not 100% on how much he comprehends things, but, you know, like you pop your head in the door, he's seen you in the morning, he starts laughing, so he's happy to see you, you know, like, but you've got to just have that dialogue with him. And it has been hard because we've gone through a lot of different support workers and this industry you tend to find you are dealing with multiple people. Turns them over. Yeah. How did you get over that hurdle, you know, of, of feeling nervous about getting in a care or getting that support? Like how, what was what was the practical things you did to step over that? I think it was conversation, letting them know, you know, like I did, I said, you know, 
look after my boy. I'll be in the window, you know, at the tree. <laughs> and they like heal, but I was like, nah, serious. <laughs> no joke, no joke. No joke, no joke. <laughs> Don't hurt my baby, you know, like, and I always said, you know, like, and I try to have a conversation with him and, you know, let them know what he likes and what he doesn't like and, you know, just, you know, if he's getting frustrated, this is what he likes to do. But it's just a lot of conversation, you know, and I feel like if I feel like their friend, you know, like yeah. and chat with them in that way, not just generic, you know, like not just, hey, how you going, here's my son, see yeah. you later. Yeah, like, not transactional, just uh, more relational. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it's hard because you do go through a lot of stuff, but I think I just find the time to try and work like that with everyone that works with him, you know, because I'm his voice. I've got to talk for him. I've got to tell them what he's like, you know, yeah. and it, it gets hard when you, you first – when you first get into it, but I, I did, I, I sort of relaxed after a while because I found that if I had that relationship with the people that were caring for him, they'll give me the respect back and, you know, my son the respect as well, you know, like, yeah. I don't know, it's just weird, but I just feel like if I'm more open with them, they, they become open with me and then it feels like, you know, he's going to a friend's place for a sleepover, you know, things like that. So. Yeah. And that relational building is so important, I think, with anything in this industry, you know, yeah. building relationships and, and long-term relationships is what's going to help people yeah. get more comfortable with it. I guess, um, you know, having received support in that now, what sort of support do you get, you know, currently with them? Yeah, so when when the NDIS first come in, that was a bit daunting, um, you know, not knowing what to ask for and what we we're allowed to get and, you know, all that sort of stuff because we were on the trial on the trial site team or whatever it was when it first came out. And I actually went through um, an organisation, Guggen Garwin. They had a lady that was coming in and helping Indigenous families that were having to deal with NDIS. So they put me onto a lovely lady who helped me get, you know, make sure you ask for this and what you can and can't, you know, this is what you, you know, she had her own personal experience because she had a child that was on NDIS, so she'd gone through it. And it did take a really long time to get any support because I was not never getting anything. You know, I went years and years and years and he did school, but I never, ever had, like, in-home support or anything like that. Like, I even, like, with housing and stuff because we're in housing. So in our first property, they they did a bit of a modification, did an open plan bathroom for him, you know, which was great. But then the house was too small and he was getting bigger and his equipment was getting bigger. So we got relocated and we're in a new house that's now set up finally. We've just got a ceiling hoist on the roof and things like that. And, you know, big bathroom, ramp access, you know, which we never had. You know, all that sort of stuff. But you, you really do, like, I, I find that a lot of people don't know what they can ask for or are too scared to ask for it. You know, I'll pestia, pestia, pestia. Yep, yep. I know that I can't do it. I can't look after him if my house isn't set up for him. If I don't have the supports to continue to care for him, how am I going to do it? You know, like, I, I need to have, you know, a good team around him and myself. You know, you know, you can see the needs, you know what you need. You say, I'm afraid to ask, but I guess that's the st first step. Hey, like just throwing it out there. Yeah. You know, what do you got to lose? Like just ask, put it yeah. out there because there's so much available today, I think, you oh, know, yeah. around for this sort of support. I mean, even with carers ACT, like what's some of the support they've gotten around that? Yeah. So I, I had carers years ago. I was on carers ACT um, and then I sort of just fizzled out, you know, just stopped, you know, like I fizzled out more. Um, and then when we were going through all this stuff with NGIS and housing, we were having a lot of issues. So we had like a, I had a coordinator that, you know, got on top of everyone and she ended up putting me back in contact with Carers ACT and we got in contact with Kat and she came on board and she was sitting in on meetings and stuff. And then she, you know, we had a conversation. She's like, I'm here to support you. You know, like, what do you need? 
And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, you know, because I never do anything for myself. So with carers, I've been on a carers retreat, you know, I've been on a day spa, you know, like. Oh, look, yeah. Mm, went and had massages mm. and nails done and lunch with, you know, a couple of other, you know, mothers and family that were caring, you know, doing the caring roles. And I never used to do things like that because I shame, you know, yeah, like, what are we going to talk about? You know, I don't know these people. And that's a real mob thing, eh? Like yeah. that whole shame job, you know, like yeah. I, I can't be styling up there getting my nails done, my mm. feet done, like yeah. all that. Yeah. I said, like, go on then, be shame. I'm going in there, get my old padded yeah. up there for you. Yeah. But it's uh, it's something I think our mob got to sort of really move past that, that shame job thing because that stuff's out there for us and it's it's okay to kind of love on yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's that's one thing that I'm always interested in with carers, like, what do you do to, to love on yourself to like, cause it's a, it's a full-time thing, right? It's got to, it's going to take something out of you. What do you yeah. do to put back into you? Yeah. So I, I, it took me a long time to actually do something, you know, like you go out with the girls and you go out to the clubs and I'm oh, getting old now. You know, I've got a lot of nieces that have just turned 18, like coming out, honey. Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, no, no. 18th, yeah, you're 21st. I was an uncle will drop you off and pick you up. That's about it. <laughs> but, you know, like I, I did take a long time to, you know, go do stuff for myself. Like go get my nails done or go and have a massage or, you know, even just going for a walk around the lake, you know, like having no kids around you and just time to breathe and think for yourself, you know. And care has done all, you know, they, they, they helped me with that sort of stuff. You know, I remember I did the two-day, there was a two-day um, retreat. It was supposed to be out of town but because of COVID. They did it at the casino in, in the city. So we got to stay at the hotel, you know, we all got our own room each and, you know, we just did little courses throughout the day, you know, little workshops and stuff and I'm sitting there crying with them and yeah. you know, laughing with them because, you know, they, they're going through the same thing you're going through, you know, emotionally, you know, we're all doing the same thing, you know, we're caring for someone and it's, you know, taxing and draining and, you know, sometimes you just don't want to care for anybody, you know, like you just want to. Yeah. Stay in bed and not do nothing or, you know, just go and do your own thing and not have have the burden, you know, like sometimes you just need a day or two or a week, you know, like, yeah. but it's hard to give yourself that time because, you know, obviously everyone relies on you. And I've got, you know, I've had my, you know, weekends away, you know, up to Sydney or down the coast and girls trips and things like that, but you never get to fully relax because yeah. you're always worried yeah. about what's going on at home. But I guess there's something powerful about getting in a room with other people who actually understand your journey. Because, I, I mean, I could be sympathetic, but yeah. I'm not a full-time carer. I, yes. I, I wouldn't understand the daily grind. Yeah. And so if I if I was in a room with somebody who understood and you could share, like, that's where that, you know. That, and I never thought, like, I'm, they're sitting in this in a circle and everyone's telling their story and we're all looking around at one another and we're all tearing up and crying. Oh, and no. it gets to your voice and your voice is all croaky and you start telling your story and you're like, I'm so emotional, you know, <laughs> but it is. It's because they all understand, like they're yep. all coming from the same place. So it was nice to do it. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to start doing this more often because it actually did help, you know, like we did breathing exercises, meditation, you know, all that, just to find five minutes in the day just to relax and do you. you yeah, know? I find mindful, mindfulness for me is something I've recently adopted because of the, you know, you just get pressure, right? Yeah. Pressure to perform it, pressure to, 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 to sort of nail it, pressure to be there for everyone, to be that. And I'm, and I'm one of those people in our family who everyone sort of looks up to or, you know, and, and needs or, or, you know, you support your family financially, you support them emotionally, you support yeah. them physically, you support them in every way you can. And then sometimes you just kind of like, you just need a, oh, 
Yes. And so for me, that whole mindfulness and that meditation, I've really helped center me, you know, and actually acknowledge what's going on in me, but then also figure out, okay, these things are important and then move forward. That's such a powerful tool. Um, What over the next 12 months coming up, like, you know, what do you, what do you what do you got planned? Like what do you, what are your dreams? What are you what are your thoughts? What do you want to achieve in the next twelve months? Yeah, well, my my big thing is you know I'm, I'm getting older every every year, getting older and older, and younger and younger. And then, yeah, yeah. And then I like fitness, you know, health, you know, like COVID really you know smacked a lot of us, you know, being stuck at home for weeks and not knowing, and you know everyone was scared and anxious about this COVID stuff, and I was extra anxious because like my elder son you know, being so routine-based, you know, like he had to stop school for a little bit and then we put him back into school, you know, but obviously with, you know, lots of limitations. Mm -hmm. But I think what's taught me most and what I want to do most in the next 12 months is just really look after me because I'm like, who's going to look after them if I'm not okay, you know? So I really care has helped me with a gym membership. So I've got a gym membership. I've had to put it on hold, you know, obviously COVID and all that sort of stuff, everything stopped, back problems, you know, like, pressure of getting old, all these issues. (laughs) You can't just, you know, jump up and do things these days, you know. COVID, like when you come in, like it would have had a massive impact, especially around carers and support and that. What what were some of the things you noticed then? I stopped supports because I was scared about people bringing germs into the house. So, you know, I was trying to do online schooling with my middle child, being in lockdowns where you can't go anywhere, you know, that was hard and, I did the online schooling with my son. Let me tell you now, I said to my wife, if you can do this, yeah. right, like I, I, I'm not cut for it, right? No. There's two things that I'm scared of, spiders, right, that arachnophobia I have, and fear of doing homeschooling, right? Yeah. That ruined me, man. Yeah. yeah, I didn't like it at all, and I didn't like the online stuff. Because I, I just it takes away from the school experience, you know. Like yeah. I end up ringing the school up and going down and picking up packs because I'm like, I want him at the table with a pencil and paper and you know doing practical stuff, not sitting on a little screen and doing everything. You know that it was frustrating. I'd, I went yeah, out they t- learn off each other, you know. Kids yeah. bounce off each yeah. other, you know. That's how they they kind of learn yeah. too. So, but COVID's really thrown a spanner in the way. I mean, for me, I blamed everything on COVID. You know, like mm-hmm. I put on like 10k. They like, no, I said, hey, you know, it's COVID, mate, yeah. COVID. Yeah, so they looked at me and said, no, it's not. Like, yeah. you, you know, we've been out of COVID for six months and you're still yeah. looking like that, brother, you know. So for me, I blamed every, every yeah. much as I can blame on COVID, I can blame on it, even if it wasn't COVID's fault. Yeah, <laughs> I did the same. I think I'm still blaming COVID. Christmases and all that presents, I'm like, no, Santa can't travel, it's COVID. So you got a real health focus for, for the next 12 months, you know, looking after you, focus on you. Healthy me, healthy yeah. healthy life. Yeah, well, COVID C put on weight in lockdown. You know, yeah, of course, a lot of lot stressing, stressing out at home with the kids and stuff. You know, nothing else to do. You know, you can't go anywhere. You know, even like going to the park and that you weren't allowed to do. You know, yeah, yeah, that's right. They come down real relative. Kicked the footy and stuff. You know, like the kids love doing that, and everything stopped. But yeah, that's what I said. I you know put on weight, and I just wanted to go. You know, once everything got back to normal, I was like, let's start. You know going for walks around the lake and trying to eat healthier and, you know, all that sort of stuff, you know. So it's it's been hard. I, I've got a little way to go, but this is, you know, day by day, you know, even the kids, like trying to be more active with the kids and, you know, not be so stressed out all the time. And But it, it is it just being a mum's hard enough, you know, yep. and being a full-time mum at home by yourself with no support, you know, 
that's hard. But being a carer on top of it for a child with, with a disability is, you know, it's insane. Oh, he's got so many, like this podcast going to go out to a whole bunch of listeners out there, you know, and, and we want to really uh, get into the ears of mob too, especially, you know, as we, as carers. What would you tell mob out there that's not accessing support and that, and they're doing, they're roughing it right now? What was sort of some advice that you would give them? Yeah, so for me personally, like it did, it took me a long time to ask for help and not, not shame, but also not wanting people to think that I can't do it. You know, that, like that's your job, you know, like that's your child. You've got to do what you've got to do. But I'm like, it is like, you, I f- and I find once you start asking questions, you know, you're making those calls and you, you get on the other end of the line when you're talking to someone, you just got to talk to them like they're family, you know, and let them know, like, don't hold back. If you're stressing out and you can't do this and, you know, you know that you can, you know, that you need this help, don't be afraid to voice it because I think a lot of people you know, obviously coordination, you know, coordinators, they come in handy. My coordinators have been amazing. Even some coordinators are saying to me, you deserve more, you know, like they know, you know, and it's nice to have people that have the personal experience. But I think you do, you've just got to get over the shamefulness. You know, it's not shame to ask for things. It's hard to say because I know how I felt when I first, and I know a lot of people still feel like it. Like even today I still get a bit funny for asking for things, you know, like. I know what I'm allowed to get and they offer it, you know, and then you're like, you know, like, I don't know, okay. It's changing that mentality, eh, like letting mob know, like you're not supposed to do it on your own. No. Like you're not. And that, and, 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 the, and I think the more you can get around that yep. that fact and that principle, like that you cannot do it on your own, no. the easier it is to ask yep. for help, you know. Yep. And I think that's the most important thing for mob, you know, yep. to understand. Football team. Football or whatever, like what's your sports team? You know, it doesn't have to be football. No, I get picked on for this all the time. I go for the Broncos. Hey, come on. Yeah. Come on, mate. I'm, I'm, you know, and I go for Queensland and the Origin. And, oh, yeah. God. You know what? I knew there was something good about you. When I saw you there, I saw this <laughs> deadly aura around you. I said, this sister is clicked. She knows. She's in the nowhere. Yeah. She's she's smart. I don't know. The sister's got something about her. And, you know, Queensland supporter, that's what it is. Yeah. So I, my brother's always going, you know, my other brother, that lives in Sydney, he goes for Queensland too, yep, uh, yep. you know, but they all go, what do you go for Queensland? You live in ACT? I said, yeah, but that's not New South Wales, is it? Yeah, that's so right. Borderline, borderline, I can pick it. But no, I always went for Queensland because, you know, a lot of blacks in the teams. Yeah, mate. Yep, yep. You know, and growing up, you know, Mal Meninga, you know, like he played for Queensland and, you know, we were big Raider supporters when we were growing up as kids because dad was a Raider supporter and, you know, Chicka Ferguson and all that. Yeah, yep, you know? yep, yep. We all had our little jumpers and we all had signatures and the boys all, we all grew up, you know, the boys all played for footy clubs and that's what we did. But, yeah, I've, I've, Darren Lockyer got me over to, and Steve Renoff and that, onto, wow. onto the Broncos. And, yeah, Queensland's just, oh, I've always gone for Queensland. Dad always calls me a bandwagoner because he said, you went for so many teams growing up. I said, yeah, but I'm growing up now and I'm stuck with one. And I'm <laughs> Broncos. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, listen, I, I always, um, you know, ever since that grand final, you know, cause I'm a Cowboys supporter, yeah. diehard Cowboys. But prior to that, you know, I was Broncos, right? Yeah. So as much as us Cowboys like to bang on about it, mate, yeah. I'll tell you now, every Cowboys supporter, like yeah. old school, has got a Broncos jersey yeah, somewhere yeah, in, under, yeah. the, under the, you know, sort of rug. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, big, big Queenslander supporter myself. Yeah. So yeah. love it. Hey, look, thank you so much for your time. Today. I really That's appreciate right. it and coming in and sharing your journey with yeah. us. Big love, and, and we, we wish you and your son all the best. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks. Cheers. Well, another great chat with the First Nation Karen in Canberra. 
And thanks to Carers ACT for making this yarn possible. If you are caring for a family member, a friend, a spouse, a neighbour, or someone who lives with a disability, a medical condition, including a terminal or chronic illness, a mental illness, or is frail and aged, then Carers ACT can help. That's right, Benny. Carers are unpaid help who support with daily living activities. And Carers ACT recognises and promotes the roles that carers have in our Canberra community. We offer a range of services designed to support, connect and empower carers in their caring roles and personal wellbeing with programs such as short-term replacement care, when you need a break, counselling, educational workshops, social and therapeutic activities and advocacy. Sounds great. How do the support services help? Great question, Benny. Our supportive programs are designed to build resilience and knowledge, offer stress management strategies, relax and re-energise your body, mind and provide a unique opportunity to connect socially with other carers. By working together, we can connect you to other carers, provide advice and guidance and give you a break when you need it so you can maintain your caring relationship and a sense of self. I know that Carers ACT is the delivery partner for the Carers Gateway in the ACT. How can people get in touch and have a yarn about how you can help? Carers can now call the one national number, 1800 422 737. That is linked to a wide range of services. What if people don't know exactly what they need help with? Can they still call? Totally. You don't have to know exactly what to ask for. You can just talk through any problems you are having and the Carer Gateway staff will try and match you with services that can help. Amazing. Thanks for filling us in. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Sharing Common Grounds of Caring Podcasts. See ya.